You're listening to Inside Bliss with LaVon Kirkland. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wyatt Law Studios. We're here with LaVon Kirkland on the Inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland. Here, we're all about leadership at the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. We're about making a positive impact on our youth and our communities, and we appreciate you tuning in. LaVon, how's it going today? Uh, it is going well, my friend. How's it going with you? It's awesome. It's okay. awesome. Very much have been enjoying being a part of this podcast, getting no a little bit of an inside look on yes. not just uh, football, but so many great people. Well, you know, um, when we think about this podcast, we're thinking about getting the inside story, stories that we wouldn't normally hear from different podcasts or different shows and that's fine with us we love hearing about people where they come from yep. where they're going and some of the amazing things they have done during their lives and this is why I love this show this is why I think that the audience love this show we're getting a lot of great views right now and it's going to get better and better as we go along I mean um, it's been terrific so far and I can't wait for the future and what we're going to do not only for football but for lives what we're going to how are we going to change lives how are we going to make it better well that's awesome and i appreciate everybody there's been a lot of people that have joined and become members and remind everybody what the membership's about and why okay. they should do that sure no problem about that you know our memberships and our the money that we get it's only 9.95 as we say before you spend that in the first of your morning before you go to work you spend that at mcdonald's at starbucks but when you give to us, what's going to happen is you're going to change other people's lives. We have what we call the Bridge Builder Program. We have the uh, Workforce Development and the Business Connect. Those uh, programs are vehicles for uh, our young people to get character, academics, and also careers. So in that way, that little bit of amount you never know how much it really changes lives. And so we're so happy to be a part of that. And uh, we're, we're happy to have the guests that we're having. And um, I know I enjoy this guest tremendously. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mike, can you tell us a little bit more about him? Well, Coach Sam Weish is awesome. We right. love him. He's a class of 2013 inductee of ours, inaugural class. Uh, like you, has played and coached at every level. Yeah. And uh, now he was a head coach at uh, the NFL level. And and the insights that we've been able that we were able to get in this interview is amazing. You you have to listen to some of the things that he talked about. Some of the biggest play in NFL history that he's been a part of. For example, a Super Bowl run back and a and uh, the catch, if you've ever heard of the catch, hmm, the I've insight never heard of, the catch. <laughs> of of what went into that play yes. would shock you right. and, and would change your whole perspective on what you knew of the catch ahead of time. Plus, there's a ton of South Carolina connections yes. between these stories, which is also super amazing. Um, and so it's uh, I'm really excited about this interview with Coach Sam and to have him in in studio. Uh, was amazing. The interaction between you two, right. between Sam and yourself, yeah. was was remarkable. And I think everybody's going to enjoy enjoy what we have coming up. Absolutely, Mike Foster, you're so right. Sam White's in studio, the first in studio guest that we've had on the show. I can't uh, wait to have him in. So thank you for being a part of this show. Thank you for tuning in today and the past. And of course, we appreciate you becoming a member. 
And all of those that have become a member, we do appreciate it. And those that haven't, thank you for, for considering that. And we'll be right back with the Inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland and Coach Sam White in studio. Thank you very much. This is Sam White, and you're listening to the Inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland. Today, my special guest, my idol, <laughs> coaching idol, Coach Sam Watts. How you doing today, sir? I'm fine, but you can't exaggerate like that. No, I'm not about. exaggerating because <laughs> when you were coaching at Pickens, I was coaching at, I think it was Wade Hampton, and I saw you, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, we're on this high school field, we've both been in NFL, we're in this high school field, I'm like, oh my God, Coach Sam is here. I'm wondering how much I can really learn from Coach Wise. And so it was a thrill for me to see you there. Well, you know what? That reminds me of the first time my wife saw me. Really? Yeah, she felt the same <laughs> way. So. <laughs> Couldn't believe it, how good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, you're 6'4", I mean, Regularly handsome man, and I was just kind of you know, coach, and I could see why your wife might have thought the same thing. Well, you're full of it. You know what I'm talking about. I, I, I can be a little bit. Um, uh, I just wanted to ask you a few questions. You know, here in the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, we are making a difference through football. Can you explain to our audience what football means to you and how do you think football makes a difference? Well, I was one of those kids that grew up. My younger brother was the better athlete by really? far. Mm -hmm. He was a full scholarship at the University of Tennessee. <clears throat> and I was a walk-on, did not get a scholarship offer at Furman University. And so, number one, it meant education to me. Right. If without that football, I, uh, the scholarship that I ultimately got, a three-year deal. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, in 1962, it only cost $1,200 to go to Furman. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's gone up a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But uh, football was going to be my ticket mm -hmm. to uh, opening every door that I would have opened up sure. in business or sports or whatever it happened to be. And it turned out that I just met the right people at the right time. And I wouldn't have met him if I hadn't been in that locker room. Right, right. Now, did you meet your wife at Furman, or you met her earlier? She was in the locker room as uh, well, and uh, shouldn't have been there actually at the time. But <laughs> what was she doing in the locker room? <laughs> well, she was a sweetheart, and uh, no, I don't know. Uh, I met my wife because she was the sweetheart of Cap Alpha fraternity. Okay. And I pledged KA, and you had to take the sweetheart to dinner, mm -hmm. which meant you met her in the dining hall with about six or seven other pledges. And for some reason, I took the jello that was on the entree that right. night, and I pushed it right in her face. No way you didn't. I did that. <laughs> and uh, why I did it, I, to this day, I don't remember why. I'm sure there was some reason for it, a legitimate reason. <laughs> but... Uh, she liked it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. That's all I can say. Yeah. Now, I met your wife yesterday. I just don't think she seems like the type that would take that from you. Well, she's taken it for 53 years, yes. 11 months, and uh, four days. So, almost years. 54 That's years. pretty good yeah. right there. And congratulations on that. We are going to get an award for Jane uh, yeah. soon. You know why we did it? It was football, because I was at training camp two right. months out of the, in those days. Right. You went in, you were there for eight weeks, and... Uh, um, you weren't around your family, right. so you mm -hmm. weren't pestering her, and she wasn't bothering me. So right. that that was the reason we well, lasted. Yeah, that's a longevity. <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> is that the secret to longevity? Yeah, exactly. That's what he's saying. That's a married couple. <laughs> well, especially uh, being an NFL coach, I mean, that's that's difficult because a lot of yeah. times you're um, you're spending more time with your team than you're spending with your family. We absolutely true, and you've got obligations beyond the football football team and the mm-hmm. game plan and all those kind of things. You've got to be at banquets. You got to rec- not recruit, but you've got to scout real well because right. of free agency when it kicked in and they're changing you know they had old plan B and then they had the right. free agency with no cap and then they had free so it's a lot of different studying to make sure their strategy mm-hmm. was correct and that you were able to hold on to players and then at that time you guys had to really break down films I, I've, I've been in coaching with the Cardinals and if you need some information bam you got it like that because all the technology can you explain to us how that was I mean just breaking down film at that time in, in the old days, had the old 16 millimeter uh, Kodak. Was it Kodak or um, something? The camera with it with a tape. Yeah, we just go Kodak. And you would have to cut the tape oh and God. put it on the wall, oh and then you gosh. had to come back and splice it together and show it. It's black and white. I remember the first time I saw a color film. I'm sitting. I'm a player with the with the Cincinnati Bengals, uh-huh. and I. They had our name on every, you know, Paul Brown always put the name on so he knew where you were and when right. you weren't there. But I'm sitting right by the projector and for some reason PB was a little bit late getting to that meeting, which mm-hmm. was unusual. But I reached over and I flipped it, you know, I said, let's just take a look while we're waiting on Paul to come, Coach Brown to get in. And the camera, uh, the uh, film came on and it was in color. First wow. time we'd ever seen color video of the game. Right. And then round the bend comes Paul Brown with the film going on and me sitting beside the camera with my hand <laughs> really in the cookie jar. Right, right. And you got caught. I absolutely got caught. I mean, I, I felt like crawling under the desk. But he did not like it. He was upset right. about it, but he held his temper and and we went on with it. But I remember those days translated into what you're talking yes. about now, where it's all uh, on a computer. You can go home and watch it. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Boomer used to uh, give uh, Boomer Size, yes, a quarterback in Cincinnati, when you uh, gave every offensive lineman a fax machine. That's how old wow, all yeah. of us are. <laughs> and we would fax the game plan to right. the ball players so that they get an early start on the next morning's workout. Well, Coach, what really got you into coaching in the first place? Uh, you did it on all three levels. But I want to know that first time you called the bug to even coach guys. You know, I don't know where I, whether I caught the bug or the bug caught crawled you. up my leg. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got to... It really actually started, I was playing, I moved around a lot of different teams. I was playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. We were in a preseason game in Tokyo, Japan, playing the San Diego Chargers. And Bill Walsh, who had been my quarterback coach when Mm -hmm. I played for the Bengals, was now an assistant coach with San Diego. And we happened to come down the elevator in the New Otani Hotel, right off from the Ginza there, the shopping uh, mecca of uh, Tokyo. Right. And he said, let's go down and have a cup of tea. Okay. Well, a cup of tea. tea. Uh, Like I do that all the time. (laughs) And so uh, we did. We were were very close. We were only about five years apart in age because I started out, played a year of minor league ball, went back, got my MBA degree before I actually got into pros. And so anyway, we're sitting there talking after about 45 minutes. We we were like brothers. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. I started to smile. He started to smile back at me because he knew that I'd figured out that and I said it. I said, well, we're not having a cup of tea, Bill. Right. You're interviewing me for, right. a, for a job. And he said, Sam, that's, 
a little bit of truth in both of those things. But if I ever get a head job, I want you to come coach the passing game. Well, he, okay. years later, he got the head job with the San Francisco 49ers. And the day that I got two rejection letters, I'd applied mm -hmm. for two high school jobs in North Carolina. What? And I got rejected because I had no coaching experience. Right. I played ball, but I never coached. But that day, within an hour after reading those letters and saying, okay, I'm going back to the salt mines here with Sam White Sports World, I'd started a sporting goods business with my college roommate with the seed money from Super Bowl Seven, yeah. um, and with the Washington Redskins against the Miami Dolphins, perfect record. 1972. Yeah. 72, and since they had a perfect record, you know how well we did in that yeah. game. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you another story about that in just a second if you want it. But um, anyway, I, within an hour, literally, of reading those letters and starting to get back to the grind of the of the sporting goods business, um, I got a phone call from Bill Walsh. says, I'm going to be the new head coach of the 49ers. I'm going to have a press conference tomorrow. The oh, day after tomorrow, I want you to be out here and let's talk about you. Uh, being the quote director of the passing game, the director of the passing game. Yeah, he didn't want an offensive coordinator. Right, he, right. he was going to be the head coach, general <laughs> manager, and offensive coordinator. Yeah. But I was on the headset with Bill and and uh, had a blast. He, you mm -hmm. know, you couldn't get learn from a better guy. Oh, no question about it. I actually read his book, and it was amazing mm -hmm. of uh, all the knowledge that he knew and how he was an innovator. He was he was way before his time, but yeah. you're kind of way before your time too because you kind of. Now, was it you that developed the hurry, hurry up kind of offense? Well, the no huddle, yeah. but, but the no huddle was really not initially a hurry up offense. It was the threat of a hurry up. You're right, at the right. line of scrimmage. You were in a legal formation. You had seven men on the line of scrimmage. And the, the team is listening to the quarterback yell out, and you give up the privacy of the huddle. Mm -hmm. Let the defense listen in. Right. But they're listening into words that they don't, don't make know. any sense we to them. Yeah, and actually the start of the no huddle started years before when I was coaching the 49ers. We had a receiver named Skeets Nehemiah, Ronaldo okay. Nehemiah. Oh, yeah, of course. Hurdler had six world records mm -hmm. at one time in the sprints and the hurdles. He ran a go pattern one time, and he comes back, and he's breathing. And I said, Skeets, what's the matter, dude? I thought you were some kind of right. world-class athlete here. Look at you breathing so heavy. <laughs> He taught me a life lesson right then. He looked me square in the eye and he said, Coach, I'm breathing heavy because I just ran 60 yards as right. fast as I can run it. And then here's the lesson. He said, but if you'll give me just about four or five more seconds, I'll be breathing through my nose again. Right. Meaning, I will have recovered right. from the previous play. And so the idea settled in my brain for the future right. that if I was ever in charge of the whole deal, that I was going to take away that recovery time that the other team is used to having mm -hmm. and cut their time between plays short right. and run the no huddle. And that's that chronic fatigue will set in when literally in the first quarter. And right. you're playing now a tired defense as opposed to a ready yeah. defense. And especially when defense is more, it's a lot of reaction, it's a lot of energy. So that was really, I imagine, a big plus. And I'm sure that the NFL and a lot of defensive coordinators didn't like you at that uh, time. I, I was on the agenda uh -huh. for five straight years right. uh, where they had, you know, <laughs> ticket prices, uh, travel yeah. plans, Sam White snow huddle. <laughs> And then a year after, uh, we, we beat the uh, Buffalo Bills in the mm -hmm. AFC Championship to go to Super Bowl twenty three. Um, Marv Levy invented the no huddle. Right. That right. was the year after that. Yeah. Strange well, how that chronically, so he, chronologically doesn't work. <laughs> so he basically took your idea and kind of ran with it. Well, he had, he had another style, form of it. They only had Tim. Jim Kelly told me later, he said, we only had 10 plays right. that we had. You had the whole 
we had uh, the Cincinnati, the whole uh, offense was on there. Right. Well, can you give uh, our audience a sense of Bill Walsh, just being in a coaching meeting with him? I've been in coaching meetings, and, you know, I was sitting in the corner not saying anything. But can you give us, uh, like, how that was being in there with Bill at the time? Well, Bill was in charge of the meeting. He got up there. He's left-handed. He okay. always, when he clapped, he would clap like this. He never clapped straight across. Huh. It's kind of a glancing blow. I mean, a little thing that has nothing to do with your answer. But sure. uh, <laughs> That's okay. the uh, he was in charge of the meeting, and basically he told us what uh, he wanted done, and, mm-hmm. and let us come back with some response and right. maybe and polish it a little bit, but. Uh, during the season, it was me and Bill, and the we would have, go through the rough draft, and then we bring that rough draft in with the rest of the offensive coaches, and we right. go over and polish it and have our, our game plan. And then it was my job on a typewriter in those oh days my <laughs> to go in and uh, and type out the sideline sheet. Right. So Bill would have it, and I'd have it. And I do that on Sunday mornings. Get there real early on Sunday Ooh. mornings. If we were on the road. Wow. I'd go to the business office there in the hotel. And you know, you know, sometimes it was it was a sprint to the finish line right. to, to get it ready. For and then you probably didn't have anybody like uh, assistant anybody under you to really help you through all. No, that. no, yeah. it was it. Coaching staff was in one room. We had all the assistants in one room at right. uh, Redwood City there in uh, in uh, south of San Francisco. And then we got to the to the uh, you know on the road where right. you got to the visiting city you were basically in a strange place you didn't know where everything was and you were grabbing hold of everything you could wow wow so from that point on you you get your head coaching job your first three years are pretty decent right well pretty decent yeah uh, actually i lost the first five games okay that's not decent that's not decent. <laughs> that's indecent yes. that's, my wife wouldn't speak to me right. but uh, was she booing you? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah, everybody booed me. I booed myself on several occasions, but um, I actually got a phone call from Joe Gibbs okay. after the fifth loss. He called me on a Monday morning and he said, Sam, I just want to tell you something. When I took this job with the Washington Redskins, mm-hmm. uh, which was a few years before that, I lost my first five games. Right. And then we turned it around. We got it all going. Well, we... I appreciated that a lot, and uh-huh. I knew I was going to work hard anyway. But we won eight of the next eleven games, go okay. eight and eight. And if the Raiders beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on the final Sunday of the game of the season, we're going to go to the playoffs wow. after an zero and five start. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they couldn't do it. Right. Uh, the Raiders. Uh, Must you hate depending on another the, team? <laughs> I know it. Right. I, and we and we're sitting in the. I'm sitting in my living room. TV cameras from all three of the, of the affiliates are in there getting reactions and you can't really react the way you want to react when they don't make a first down the way you want it yeah yeah well i mean now we go to let's fast forward you're 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 in the super bowl you're going against your you're going against um bill at the time can you tell us like the how it was just seeing him across the way what was that like well yeah, I played. I played against him in the regular season a couple of times, so I, I'd been there before. But I knew how Bill operated. I was right. in the booth when I was with him in Cincinnati, in San Francisco. So he and I would talk about the next play. I'd give him my best run, best pass, mm-hmm. and then he would pick the play. Sometimes he'd take my choices. Sometimes he wouldn't. But that was what he was doing over there on the sideline. Right. But Bill was. Uh, uh, unforgiving, mm-hmm. very precise about everything, 
as he should have been. And he was his last game. He'd already announced he was going to retire after right. that Super Bowl twenty three. So I imagine that locker room t- speech was pretty yeah. emotional. And the players came out, and I'm I'm the last one introduced, and I'm looking back, and there's Joe Montana and Boomer and. Uh, Oh, Randy Cross sure. and all the guys who were back there that I coached when I was there. And so I get down on a three-point stance coming out of the shoot. Right, and they're all laughing at me, Sam, what are you? They call me Sam. They never call me coach. <laughs> and um, spread it on out there. And, and from that moment on, it was it was a little bit of deja vu okay. in that I could feel myself over there on that sideline and what I'd be doing and saying to him. Right, right. Now, Stanford Jennings, he runs a – is it a kickoff? It's a kickoff, right? Kickoff return. Yes, yeah. it's a kickoff return. I mean, I'm watching that game as a kid, and I'm thinking, like, oh, it's over. And I'm kind of happy because, you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan at the time. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> disgusting enough yeah. right there. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, in South Carolina, they only show the NFC with East and Dallas, and I picked Dallas. So, But anyway, you guys go ahead. As a coach, what are you thinking at that time? Well, uh, it was it was actually it was kind of a back and forth game. Sure, it was more of an offensive game than an offensive game. You had mm-hmm. two powerhouse offenses. Right. And I think we led. I think we led the the NFL. I know we led the AFC part of the NFL that year. But anyway, uh, when we kicked, Stanford was our regular kickoff right. return guy, mm-hmm. and we did a pretty good job with it during the. But everything popped just you know how those right, blocks yeah. they got to time up just right because exactly. he's got to run through at the right second and he hit that thing in stride and he runs like this his shoulders are bouncing up and down yeah. when he runs he doesn't look like he's got a lot of speed but he does and stanford a Furman guy i'm yep. a Furman guy i'm yep. happy but when he broke clear there was one guy that had a chance to catch him and that's what's going through my mind please don't catch him on the on the nine yard line or something sure. like that where you have to score from you don't get a first down right. you get in. And he made it all the way in there and, and the, actually got tripped up in the end zone. I don't know what went through my mind except that Stanford had his first child the night his wife had wow. given birth the night before and we gotten a video of her holding the baby after right. he was born in the in the team meeting the night before. So that's what I said to him was, you know, is that for the for the new family that you've got and uh, everybody was jumping up and down. Nobody heard what anybody was saying or right, yeah, knew yeah. what they were saying either. It's it an exciting time. Yeah. yeah, it was a great moment. Could have been the uh, you know the MVP of the game if we'd yeah. have won the game. But Joe Montana had a last day. <laughs> he's pretty good. Yeah. You know, he's okay. He's okay. But uh, no, you know, coach, I want to kind of you know turn the tables a little bit. Just want to know what are you passionate about right now? Well. I am a heart transplant recipient, for mm-hmm. one thing. Said so almost three years, and okay. I'm just about a week away, September 13th, 2016, I got a new heart. Uh, my other one died of cardiomyopathy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I am very passionate about getting as many people to sign up as a donor. Right. And you can do it very easily. Just go to, on your online, go to registerme.org right. and follow the instructions. Or go to your Department of Motor Vehicles, your DMV yeah, office, sure. and ask it to put a little heart on, the mm-hmm. driver's, on your driver's license. Right. And in the event of your sudden death, they will, the first responders will then get to the right people and you can save one person passing who is a donor, right. could save seven or eight lives, could save up to 75 people in terms of the impact of their life. Maybe like Carson Palmer, mm-hmm. the quarterback, NFL quarterback who's got a, a, a 
a ligament in his knee or he wouldn't be playing ball. Uh, Matt Millen is a recipient just a few months ago, a great linebacker from Penn State. Um, But it is a... uh, it's the greatest gift you can leave when you leave this planet, yeah, and that no is to, to help other people behind you. Yeah, I, I'm starstruck right now. I mean, I, I, I am. I, I know you say I'm full of it, but honestly, I'm gonna have to slap you around. <laughs> <if you don't. laughs> yeah, I tell you, I will tell a story. Three years ago, I was talking to Sam, uh-huh. and he'd been in the um, Charlotte hospital and was very frank about what he was going through wanting to get this uh, heart donor and he hadn't been able to get it so we're on the phone right. and Sam's done a lot for the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame for no myself about it. And, uh, and I'm tearing up thinking this is the last time I'm going to get to talk to coach right. and I said coach I said you know I love you and I just you know is there anything I can do for you right. and without skipping a beat he said yeah Wyatt I need you to come over and help me clean out my garage <laughs> Now, did he help you clean out the garage? I don't think you showed up. Well, about, about an hour or so later, I think you got the heart, and uh, and and you got the surgery, and here you are. It's yeah. Been- well, they had told me that you know I. I- they had uh, lined me up to go with hospice twice, oh. and um, the last time uh, was on a Monday, the Monday that the heart showed up after lunch, in fact, right before dinner, they had the surgery in the middle of the night, uh, the, the, it finished the surgery in the middle of the night, but um, yeah, they, it was that close, the heart beat, in fact, uh, a, a doctor in training that observed that operation told me, I, was going back for a regular checkup months later and she came up to me and said, I observed that operation. Let me tell you something. When uh, they were waiting on the heart, the helipad was there and the helicopter was ready to land on it. They were taking guesses at how many heartbeats I had left because the left side of my heart had not beat for over an hour. Wow. And an LVAD pump was keeping me alive that way. And then the right side, they went around. The low bid was three beats left, and the high bid was between 10 and 12 beats. Wow. And wow. they said, that's it. The heart will never, we're going to be operating on a dead man after that. Oh. Remember, it's your brain. When your brain stops, you're that's dead, yeah. not your heart. And, um, but anyway, she said, I watched when they took that old heart out and put it on the pan beside the bed. Right. It beat for over five minutes by itself outside your body. Oh so gosh. every time I go back to the hospital oh, wow. and I see the doctors, I yeah. say, you guys, you guys are dumber than dirt because <laughs> you said I had three to 12 beats left. You right. could have gone back and got coffee and still got it in there, right. <laughs> had five full minutes left. But uh, I was a uh, guy blessed to be to be sitting here right now, uh, yeah, no and uh, blessed in so many other ways too. But uh, you know, the heart had to be the exact right size, mm-hmm. size of your fist, is the size of your heart. Had it been where they needed to go into my leg and get an artery or a vein to to make it fit, I wouldn't have made it. It oh. was a perfect fit. The blood type was exactly mine, A positive, perfect. Amazing. Everything had to be fall just right. right, and they just said. They even made the comment during the surgery that they were operating on a dead man. Said he were crazy. His organs are all brown. Right. But when they put that cardioversion paddle on me and it was clear, boom! And they popped me. And they said the blood started pumping immediately on the first try, and everything that was brown started to pink up. And isn't that crazy? It was the last. Uh, yeah, I, oh, I am so so fortunate. Yeah, I got a couple blessed. things if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. One is. You know, we in this Hall of Fame, you're in our inaugural Football Hall of Fame class right here behind you. But we also have another uh, Hall of Famer 
who also has a transplant. And did he come by and see you during that time? And we're talking about Jerry Richardson. Jerry Richardson, absolutely twice. Jerry had actually, I was at the Carolina Medical Center, the uh, Sanger Heart and Vascular Institute there, and Jerry Richardson recommended it. He somehow heard about my situation and um, said, I want you to come up here. This is where he had had a heart transplant about four years, I think, before I did. Mm. And I was actually in his room. Oh my goodness. So he pulled a couple of strings. Now, you can't pull strings to get the next available organ. That doesn't work. But you can make sure that you're ready in case your yeah. number comes up. And the way that works is, you know, you may be in a pool of maybe 20 people, but that heart has to be the right size and the right blood type so that it's compatible with you. And if yours is the only one in that group, that heart's going to go to you first. And um, that was another miracle that happened for me. But uh, yeah, Jerry came to see me the night of their first preseason game there in 2016. And um, he's sitting at the edge of, and he walked into the room and he walks right by this big cushy chair where you know loved ones can sleep overnight right. he says move your feet over and he sits down on the edge of the bed <laughs> in this $3,500 suit right. and uh, he says uh, let me tell you infection is your only enemy right now right. you make sure that you wash your hands and you take care of, of that part of it the doctors will take care of the rest of sure. it to them, he, this was the analogy. It's like changing a tire to them. <laughs> God, I hope I got the right size tire <laughs> right. in there. But he came back the next night, and I knew he was coming that day sometime. And the next day, I didn't know he was coming. He came back again. Actually, got a little emotional the second time because he was reliving right. his this experience. Yeah. But what a great guy, and what a uh, sincere, you know, person that mm -hmm. really took an interest in me, and I appreciate him very much. Right. I've got one more question. So we're yeah. going uh, talking about the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. Right. We have uh, Dwight Clark, Freddie Solomon, and yourself mm -hmm. all in this Hall of Fame. And can you tell us? A play that y'all have in common? <laughs> we do. We have what is called in the San Francisco Bay Area the catch. The catch. And uh, it was a pass from Joe Montana to Dwight Clark, ultimately. Or actually, the number one receiver was Freddie Solomon, yes. right here in South Carolina. Right. And um, it was a sprint out, front out. Quarterback didn't reverse pivot. He just fronted out. He sprints to his right, and he's going to hit Freddie in the flat. Freddie's going to go up, chop, and then burst away, and you pop it to him real quick. He's in the end zone. Touchdown. If he's covered, you hold the ball by time, by time, and throw a high arcing pass to Dwight Clark, who runs all the way to the middle of the field, right between the goalposts, turns around and comes back stays three yards from the end line so that if he has to jump he still comes down inbounds all these little coaching points Jeez. all of that happened and uh, he makes a great catch and the Dallas Cowboys to this day swear he Joe Montana was throwing the ball away well he wasn't we'd use that play once or twice so, earlier so you're year. saying the whole thing was planned absolutely we planned? worked on it yeah well, we worked out. We didn't have a. Uh, we couldn't work out in San Francisco the week before the game because of rain. There was right, some yeah. raining. We went down to the Los Angeles Rams facility, and on Thursday, I always threw Dwight a bunch of passes, just as our little routine. We picked that play, and I threw him those arcing passes. I said, "Now you're too far. You you would have stepped out of bounds. Come back, do it again." We were, we must have wow. run it seven or eight times. And then I throw him bad passes, which I'm really good at. <laughs> and. Uh, 
that was our finish of the workout. You know, Friday is usually more of a walkthrough and review day. Now, now was did you put together that play, or was that Bill Walsh's? It was. Uh, gee, that's a good question. I don't know. I think Bill. I think I give Bill Walsh all the credit on all of those kind of things, but. We all were in on it, yeah. But you were – what were you doing during that play? What was your role on the – Well, I was up in the booth. George Seifert was in, in the booth with me, the defensive coordinator at that time. For, for you weren't the offensive coordinator. You were the passing game coordinator. I was the passing director. There's no coordinator about it. There was no title there. But I was called director of the passing game. And uh, in the previous play, we had uh, – I was answering Bill's question, what do you like? And I was normally give him a run and a pass. I said, well, let's run the ball to the left, get on the left hash mark so we give ourselves plenty of room to sprint to the right on third down. And uh, we had to score a touchdown. A field goal wouldn't win it for us. Late in the game, like 50 seconds left. And um, we ran to the left, picked up a yard or two, got down there, and then we sprinted out to the right with sprint right option. That was the name of the play. Uh And Freddie was jammed and, and wasn't open. Joe held it. Two tall Jones is coming in there with his arms up. Joe threw it just over his, I mean, the ball just cleared his fingertips and landed just where it's supposed to, either out of bounds or in Dwight's hands. So we'll say that you recommended that pass play. (laughs) You're going to get me an (laughs) argument. Well, and somebody was holding on to you because you were about out the. I was well. That's true. I almost, I almost went out of the booth, literally, because my feet slipped, and I grabbed the monitor because the monitor could have really hurt somebody falling out over. Grabbed the monitor, and George Seaver puts his grabs me by the my belt buckle, and pulls me back. Uh, Otherwise, that would could have been a. Do, do you go to sleep after something like that? No, you don't That's sleep no way, right? several days. You know that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, but you know, I was in Lamar, South Carolina at the time when that <laughs> happened, and like I said before, I was a big Dallas Cowboy fan. <laughs> and you broke my. How old were you? You keep talking about how young you were. Then. <laughs> were you in diapers still? No, I was in diapers. I was. I, I knew the game, um, so I had to be like maybe maybe nine or ten. Maybe. Okay, well, you knew what was going on there. Yeah, I knew exactly what was going on. I'm like, get him, get him. Oh, they got him. He's going to throw the ball out. Touchdown. Ruined my whole Sunday, but uh, that was an amazing play, though. It, were you guys that detailed? Because yeah. I, oh, yeah. You know, I, I think it's amazing because they talk about situations, but you guys were a little before your time, wasn't it? When you talk about situations or were – was the NFL everybody like that at the time? You know, I don't know the answer to what everybody was, but I know that Bill and Paul Brown were that way when I was a player. Mm -hmm. That was back in 1968. I was one of the original Bengals in 1968. We've had our 50th anniversary, by the way. You talk about looking at some old men. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, they're very much detailed. And then San Francisco, Bill was detailed. And so, you know, when I went to Cincinnati, I tried to do the same thing. But... um, yeah, Bill was pretty detailed about things, and he get very upset. If you ever had a coach say, for example, uh, send in that running back, right? whatever you do, don't fumble that ball. Bill would go berserk. Don't fumble the ball. What do you think? Tell him to hug the ball, protect the ball. Don't right. introduce a negative thought right, to yeah, guy exactly. right before he goes into a game. Yeah. So it was. he wasn't just talking about details of technique. He was talking about atmosphere and your last – 
conscious thought before he went into the game. Right, so wow. He was psychologically way ahead of a lot of the. I think so, but I, you know, I wasn't around a lot of the guys, and there were a lot of other good coaches there too around the league, and uh, we had some great rivalries with Tom Landry and Don Shula and all the. the Coaches were coaching at that time, some great names. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about the snowball game? That's one of my one of my favorite moments. <laughs> and I think it really showed your grace and class at the time. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> Question there. Yeah, we're playing Seattle uh-huh. in Cincinnati. It's snowing. They're throwing snowballs. The officials were having a rough day that right. day. And uh, the week before, they'd had a snowball incident in Denver, mm-hmm. and Jim Tunney was the official out there, and he had actually replayed the, the kick because the snowball hit right at the holding point, right. and the kicker missed the kick. And um, so they redid it. So the memo went out, don't let this get started. Snowball started in C- uh, with the Seattle game mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Our fans throwing the snowballs, and I went over to uh, Jerry Seaman was the official that day, and I said, Jerry, if you want me to go stop this, I can't. Our microphone's on the sideline over there. And he said, well, you've got the same memo I did, buddy. Right. You, you know, if you can do it, go. So I, I'm going across. I have no idea what I'm going to say. No so choreography. I was going to ask you, do you know what you're no, going to say? I, I live most of my life that way. <laughs> so when I'm going, uh, I'm going across there, and then I get the microphone in my hand. I have got to get started saying something. Right. And I say, if you see anybody, throw anything on the field, point them out. We'll get them out of here. Right. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. Well, <laughs> nobody heard you live in Cincinnati. <laughs> so when I said you don't live in Cleveland, the place went the crazy. Yes. But there's a yes. postscript to that. Two postscripts, really, but quick ones. I said to myself, at the when I put the period at the end of it, I said, I'm either gone, I'm uh-huh. going to get fired for this, or I'm going to be in his Paul Brown's graces forever. And I, I looked up the owner's box, and PB was had his head back, and he was knee-slapping laughing. <laughs> was, wow. Can you he imagine was, that in the social media days now, oh. if you said something like that? Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been a different world after yeah. for me after that. But they still sell T-shirts up there. They, oh, when sure. they play Cleveland in Cincinnati, oh, yeah. it's all orange shirts with mm-hmm. you don't live in Cleveland. I still see it on social media, people mentioning that quote. Yeah. Uh, oh, I get it everywhere. If yeah. I'm speaking anywhere, I, I'm introduced with that. Yeah. It's one of the else. most well-known sports quotes in, in football history, right? Actually, it was number three. That. <laughs> Well, who, who wow. beat you? <laughs> right. Well, Jerry Glanville is number one with uh, the, you know what, the NFL, oh, not for right. long. Yeah. Right. You know, that one. And then there was another one in there in between me and then and that one. So I don't know that any has been repeated as often as that one has, though. So I hear it <laughs> that all was the great. time. That's great. I, I, I can't believe that you're not number one. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Well, I'm number one to you in your heart. Uh, that's, that's right. Heart. That's right. You that's are number all one. your heart. Yes. That's all that counts for me. Because <laughs> this has been a tremendous, tremendous interview. This is probably the best interview we had. And I'm not really blowing smoke up. You know, the first couple of questions, I was kind of patting you up a little bit, <laughs> massaging you. Are you but this time, I, I'm really being sincere that this was amazing. Yeah. This was amazing. Yeah, you got to come back. You yeah. got to come back. Yeah, I'll need come to back. come back. Yep. I will, uh, I'll promise to come back yeah, one guess. way or another. That's, that's right. That's <laughs> right. You are amazing. Thank you so yeah. much. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All, right. All right. You're listening to Inside Bliss with LaVon Kirkland.
All right, welcome back to the Inside Blitz with Levine Kirkland. An awesome show, an awesome interview. And before we talk about that, I wanted to thank Parham Smith and Archon Hall, a sponsor of, of the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. We really appreciate them. Blake Smith with that organization is a very excellent lawyer. Yes. Happens to be a friend of ours, too. Yes, yes. Blake's my guy. And, uh, yeah. and, and of course, if you have any issues with medical malpractice for you or your loved ones, I strongly recommend them. ParhamLaw.com or hey, let me know. We can get you in touch with them. But thank you again to Parham Smith and Archon Hall for sponsoring us and for all of our sponsors. We really appreciate it and without you we couldn't do this so thank you and Sam White what an amazing man what an incredible oh interview I mean what do you think uh, just I, I mean I, I was always in awe with Sam yeah you know being you know in his coaching days in the NFL with the 49ers and with the Bengals and you know uh, we had a little coaching duel back in the day that we talked about yeah. when um, I was coaching high school he was also coaching high school but to get the inside look of the play especially the play I think a lot of people thought that play was kind of impromptu but when he described it and he told us what went into it amazing story that we got and just all the things he's done for the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame and the things he do out there in the world. Uh, amazing, amazing man. I really appreciate it. It was just incredible to have that time with him. Yeah, he really is an innovator. I mean, what do you think, Mike? Well, he, he always has a special spot in my heart because he came in and helped us in the very beginning. Uh, he helped us with the All-Star Game that we put together a few years ago and, and worked really hand-in-hand -hand with me on some things. He allowed me to talk to him about football, which yeah probably should never happen but, uh, but to, to know what he has accomplished in football and as a as a person uh, to to be humble enough to to accept others you know uh, uh, accept other people's opinions and everything like that but then also come in and tell the stories that he told today and, amazing stories and uh, in the ways that he wants to give back to others he's always about other people not about himself and, and that's just remarkable i think that's a great lesson that all of us can take because this is one of the most successful people on the planet yep and he, and all he's doing is is pointing to everybody else you're right i mean i love coach sam white right and we've had the honor and pleasure and privilege of working beside him. I mean, he certainly has taught me a tremendous about football. Tremendous about football. He took every one of the positions on the football field and helped break it down the first time I really met him. Wow! And talked about from an agent's perspective, this mm -hmm. is what you're looking for. This is what's diff different uh, teams and personnel setups are looking for, and really helped me tremendously. And of course, has helped uh, Mike and all of us in terms of scouting players yep. and what to look for in scouting play players. He was when we had the snowstorm in the second uh, College All-Star Bowl, mm -hmm. we went over to the stadium to see what was going on and whether we were going to be able to get it cleared up. And he's over there shoveling with his uh, roommate <laughs> shoveling <laughs> snow. I hear some shoveling and stuff. I look, I mean, Sam White is in there shoveling out. Yeah. I mean, the guy is very humble, as Mike says. That's he's old school right there. He's fantastic. I mean, the guy has done it all, and, and we I can't thank you enough, Coach. Thank you so much. Yeah, no question. We don't have a South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, really, without the help of Sam White. No, we've right. got so many great people we have to thank, but certainly Sam amongst the uh, – uh, 
I mean, just most tireless helping and supporting and has given his life tirelessly to so many people. He's a legend in his own right. Of course, I love his uh, email, the no HUD, the no huddle, cheating. Uh, Sam White is a cheater. Right, right, right. He really gave us a lot of insight on him. And, and I mean, if you talk to him at any point in time, you can see his character just really glows out. I mean, he's a man that's outstanding, and the wisdom that he has is amazing. There's a certain camaraderie between you and him. It really was. Yeah, we got along pretty well. And, um, you know, of course, I I have that kind of personality that I can just (laughs) – get along with everybody but uh, no we, we had a great rapport I, I really appreciate him giving us the time and effort and his energy that day yeah fantastic uh, yeah. fantastic you need to have him back for sure and no Mike, question uh, another great weekend yeah. of college football. Busy weekend. I mean, what, tell us about, we've got the Blanchard Rogers Trophy on here, so remind the audience, yep. what is that, and who, yep. who is your uh, highlight for this weekend? Yep. Blanchard Rogers Trophy uh, uh, presented by Hales Jewelers. Uh, we've given this out uh, to the College Player of the Year in South Carolina uh, the last, uh, what, six years now. And uh, uh, so we're appreciative of Hales and, and being a part of that. Absolutely. Uh, part of that uh trophy presentation and uh but we have we know as as you know we scout a lot of a lot of different people but there's one that i want to point out real quick uh is rogan wells and he's from fort mill south carolina plays at d2 valdosta state um they went undefeated last year won a national championship he was runner-up to their heisman trophy win heisman trophy uh the d2 version and uh, he was a finalist for our trophy last year uh uh shout out to to Travis Etienne for for getting that one yeah, last right. year, but uh, uh, Rogan this this week did the trifecta. He threw two passes for touchdowns, uh, ran for a touchdown, and caught a touchdown. Oh, wow! In uh, taking Valdosta State to a four and zero record, now they have won 18, 18 straight um, games as well, with him as a starter. And this kid is a redshirt sophomore. Hmm. So he's got a lot of yeah, play a left. Future. Yep. Uh, nice future. He's he's actually like a six three, six four quarterback, even though he plays for D two. So who knows what his future looks like? But but he's really representing uh, South Carolina at Valdosta State right now. So right. he stood out. He's what balling. what did you see in the NFL circles this week? Uh, you know, I, I want to get a shout out to my boy Mason Rudolph. Man, I thought he did really well for his first start, especially on the road. Um, going across country to San Francisco. It's not always easy to do that. And he did a great job, even though my Steelers did kind of fall. They're, they're 0-3, and I'm, I'm kind of sad about that. Yeah. But the guy that I really want to talk about is my man, Deshaun. <laughs> He's amazing. He's amazing in what he can do. I mean, at the quarterback position, you saw that at Clemson, and he's just really bringing that over into the NFL. When you talk about intangibles, you talk about that guy. Everybody's saying that, oh, he doesn't have a big arm or anything like that, but the guy knows how to win. And when you need a game-winning drive, he can do it. And he can throw that ball. No, he can throw the ball well enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are being you know, sometimes people are a little critical. Yeah. And I mean if you're not perfect, you're not yeah. you're not good enough, but he definitely has the arm to put the ball where it needs to go. And um, I tell you what, if they can protect him and keep him upright that guy is going to have a great season. And you mentioned two Blanchard Rogers Trophy recipients right there. That's in it, your, man. In we, your, so we always plug it. You know that, that's right. So we that's always great. Plug Rudolph, 
off. Yep. The, 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 for those of you that don't know. For 2017 yep. and Deshaun Watson in 15 and 16. Wow. And, and, of course, Mason just took over Ben Roethlisberger's position as the starting quarterback yep. for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're for my right, Steelers, yes. Team. That's right. Yeah, man. And, and quick note on Deshaun. Not only is he doing it on the field, but he does it off the field as no well. Question, yeah. There was a thing last, last night that he posted a kid would help someone else and then he invited that kid to the game and give him tickets. Man. So and and of course when he when they had the uh, um, hurricane his rookie year he gave his first yeah. paycheck mm -hmm. to get people who worked in at the Houston Texans like in the kitchen or something to help them pay for their repairs and stuff. Right. Uh, he gave his first paycheck. Making a difference through He's football. He's making a, difference, making through a football. difference through football. I love that guy. Yep. Yeah. And and he de definitely represents the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. No no question, no question. So uh it it's uh, hey oh, well there's, flag. there's there's the flag. <laughs> Coach Jeffries, we appreciate you uh giving us this flag and Evan Tripp keeping us on track. The we appreciate uh, our producer Evan Tripp for having us. Thanks again for tuning in. We appreciate Levine Kirkland. No Always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. And if you want to listen to the podcast, please, you can listen on Apple, Spotify, Podbean. You can get the video production on Facebook and also on YouTube. So please tune in. Thank you so much for your support. Making a difference through football. We're the Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland. You're listening to Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland.